We are in a teaching series called Story, and uh, starting this month in February, uh, we, we launched a reading plan that, that Maya had mentioned, and uh, we, we do have these cards available in the back. Um, we're, we're reading through scripture, and we're reading a couple chapters a day, um, and our weekend teaching is coming from the previous week's uh, reading. And so last week, uh, my friend John Chang taught through Genesis 3 and the story of Adam and Eve and, and the fall. Um, and God's plan of, of redemption. And this week, we're going to be opening up Scripture to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, so if you have a Bible, um, open up to Genesis 12 with me. If you didn't bring one, no problem. We have some on the sides and the shelves. Uh, if you don't have one, feel free to take one of these Bibles on the sides here, and it'll probably be up on the screen behind me. Um, so last Sunday was Adam and Eve, and then we're, we're, we're kind of skipping some time and going to Genesis 12. This is the story of Abraham and Sarah, and, and in between those, if, if you didn't do the reading, there's a story about a guy with a really big boat full of animals, uh, a story about um, a group of people who build a tower up to the sky, and it's, it's really good stuff. Make sure to, to dive into it, but, but today we're going to be talking about Abraham and Sarah. Uh, their story is pivotal. Um, Genesis 12 is a really uh, critical turn of events in this story that, that we're reading um, and this story that we'll read today, it's, it's monumental and it's huge and it has these lasting implications because it's the birth um, of a nation and the promise of a nation and it's, it's the people, it's the family who eventually bring us um, Jesus, the person. And, and so it's just this monumental thing and yet this story is really relatable because it's a story about really normal people, average people who are given an invitation by God and have to choose whether they'll obey or not. Ordinary people, like you and I, who are invited by God into something great and have to decide have to, if they want to obey or not. What's true for them in this story is true for us now. And so before we read it, I'm going to just pray over our time and, and uh, we'll dive in. Uh, Father, I am grateful for your word. Um, it speaks to us, it changes us, it transforms us, and, and my hope, my desire this Sunday morning um, that you would uniquely speak to each and every heart here, um, that you would challenge us, that you would make clear um, how you are leading us and how you are directing us. And so I pray just for open ears and open hearts. And we thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right, if you got your Bible, turn there with me. Genesis 12, we're going to start in verse 1. Um, this starts with a man named Abram. Um, Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah down the road. For now, they're Abram and Sarai. And uh, we, we, we just read through their lineage at the end of, of uh, chapter 11. And we, we find out that there are 10 generations removed from uh, Noah. And his story starts here. Abram's story in 12.1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and, I, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And he took his wife Sarah and, nephew, and his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem, 
At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai in the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. So this amazing story about ordinary people that God appears to and extends this beautiful promise to them as well as this, this request. This promise of, of being a great nation that, that the whole world will be blessed through their family and the nation that's going to come about. And, and we know that this is foreshadowing of, of, of Christ. And, and yet, they're also given this request. They're asked to leave their country, their people, and their father's household. Um, now, for you and I, it, it might take a little work to really put ourselves into this story. Um, if, if God appeared before you today and said, hey, um, I need you to leave your home and your vocation and everything you know, and you're going to go to a land that I'll show you, it's likely, wherever that land is, you'll be able to Google map it, right? There'll probably be Google images. Um, you'll, you'll have a way of communicating to people once you get there. There'll, there'll probably be electricity and transportation and things that, that you know how to use and navigate. That you'll even be able to Yelp restaurants once you get there. Like, there... There's a familiarity. Our world is, is relatively small. It, it, it's not that unknown. The context these guys live in is completely different. Right? They, they don't know the edges of the world. As far as they're concerned, it's, it's flat, and people fall off if they go too far. They're, they're flat earthers. If you're a flat earther, don't message me. I, just let it be. They didn't know. They didn't know what to expect, so traveling for them is, is dangerous. It's not something that happens here. This is a, a, a tribal culture where we, we, we band together, and that's our way of survival, that if we step out of this, we're, we're vulnerable. There's, there's no authorities to, to protect us. There's, there's not path, uh, path, pathways. And in fact, um, in, in Genesis 11, just previous to this, is the story of the Tower of Babel, where God confuses the language and the people scatter. So, so they're being called to a place where they might not even be able to communicate with people, to leave their land, to leave their culture, the people, the place that is safe and known for them, and to leave their father's household, the provision, the safety that's in that. It's a steep ask that God starts with. He appears and he leads with this. Hey, I want you to leave everything that you know and uh, follow me and I'll, I'll lead you to a place, but, but you'll see later. I'll tell you later. That's, that's a pretty big ask. I would bet if I came to you with that kind of request, you, you'd probably tell me no, right? That, that's a huge request. And what God is wanting and asking for this is he wants of people who don't just know him as a God, as a religion, as a culture, as a custom. He wants people to know him as Lord, someone who leads their life and directs them, someone who says, Follow me, lay down everything that you know, and here's what I have for you. It's better. It's good. It's an amazing promise. And what's true for Abram and Sarah and the cost of following is, is actually still true for us today, right? It, it's still true for us today. If we choose to follow Jesus as our Lord, there, there's a cost to that. Jesus says this to his disciples in uh, Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. 
Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is still at play, that that God isn't satisfied just being known, just being appreciated. He, He wants to be followed. He wants to be our Lord. And so he comes to Abram. He says, I, I have a destiny for you. I mean, I want to bless the world through you. We're, we're going to start a nation, and, and eventually it's going to lead to Christ, and, and, and I want to do this, but, but will you trust me? It's a pretty big ask. And it's also an improbable and amazing promise. We read that, that at this time, Abram is 75. My, my dad just turned 78 recently. I, I can't picture him with a baby. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's the implication of this story. If they're, if they're going to have a great nation and, and, and sue their offspring, then they've got to have babies. And I, it's, it's hard to imagine. It's improbable. He's 75 and she's 65. It, it doesn't seem like the way that God would bless them. If he would have said, all right, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you really wealthy or, or, or really powerful, like we, we can maybe see those, but this, this doesn't make sense. Uh, Dana used to watch this show, I don't think it's on anymore, um, called 19 Kids and Counting. If you've ever seen it, it's, it's fascinating. It's about a family who have 19 kids, and the whole show is like, just survive. Just don't lose them. Try to remember all their names. And, and the show isn't on anymore, but now there's like follow-up shows of all the kids, these 19 kids, and they're having kids, and there's just kids everywhere. And I was like, if I were going to start a nation, that's the family I'm recruiting. <laughs> right? Like, they already got the ball rolling. There's kids everywhere, and it's like, oh, that would make so much sense. I'm not going to go find someone who's 75 and 65. But isn't it, isn't it just like God and his character to find what doesn't work, what seems like a, a weakness to display his strength to the world? What seems improbable, what seems impossible, God uses to display his goodness, his character, and his strength. And so it's, it's set there before them, this request and this promise, Abram, Sarah, I want you to leave everything you know. I know it's dangerous. I know it's scary. I'm not telling you where this is going to end up. I I just want you to follow me as Lord. I just want you to trust me as Lord. And Abram's response in verse 4, and Abram went as the Lord told him. There's a word that that describes his his response, and it's a word that that in our context we, we kind of bristle at, in, in our setting, in our, our society, and, and it's this word called obedience, right? That's not a very fun word. I, one of my pastimes as I'm driving through Portland is reading people's bumper stickers, especially at, like, if I'm stuck in traffic, and, and they're fascinating, um, but most of them kind of have a little bite to them. There's like, ah, resist the man, or stand up, and, and they kind of have this, like, this edge. And, and I was thinking as I was reading this, I, I want to start producing bumper si- stickers that like, says, obedience is good. Respect authority. Like, that's kind of countercultural for us. The idea of obedience, uh, it, 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 it's, it's not necessarily championed, and yet, if we are to have a Lord, o- o- obedience is necessary. If, if we have someone who we're following, who's navigating our steps, then then obedience is absolutely part of it. And so we see this pivot here from Abram and and, and Sarai who had been living their own life, um, navigating things, making decisions based on what they know, their intuition, what they think, what makes sense to them, and and, and kind of fumbling through life. And then God appears and says, I have a better destiny for you. I have something amazing for you. Can you trust my leadership? 
And there's a pivot then to, to being people guided by themselves to being people who have a Lord. Now every decision, there's implications. Oh, I have a Lord. There, there's, there's someone guiding my life and leading where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. I remember for myself when, when I kind of felt that decision, that, that pivot, where I, early on in my life I, I knew of God and, and I knew he loved the world and, and that's a good thing and he's compassionate, but, but there became a point where I realized he's not just someone to be admired or known, he, he's someone to follow, that, that I have a Lord and that there's implications for every part of my life because of that. I, I, don't, I don't just live with without consequences. I, I have a Lord who, who cares about my life, what I do, how I spend my time, my, my resources, my relationships. He, he cares about these things and he has a better destiny for me than, than I could come up with for myself. So Abram and Sarai, they're invited into this lordship to follow after God to a land that's unknown. So I read through this Bible um, that's kind of a common thing. God, God leads people uh, not with uh, absolute clarity, but with faith. I, I, in my mind, it's, it's, it's like the difference between a map, um, where on a map I can see the beginning, I can see the end, and I see how I'm going to get there. I, I, I can negotiate everything. Oh, well, this, this is going to be a hard season in my life. Get ready for that. Oh, and here's going to come some blessings. So I'm in the midst of this hard season. I know just a little bit longer and then this will be better. And then this is going to happen and this and this and this. And if God were to call us and then lay out our lives on a map like this, it, it would just kind of be autopilot. It frankly would be a lot easier, right? But he doesn't lead us that way. It's, it's more like a compass where he says, this is the direction I'm calling you. And the thing with, with navigating with the compass is you don't know what's ahead you don't know if you're going to come across a ravine or a river or, or something that's really difficult, a, a mountain or a valley. You, you don't know, but, but it's a direction that's leading you somewhere new. And the promise that God had for Abram and for Sarah required that they follow him as Lord, that they trusted him even when it was difficult, even when it was hard. In their story, as we'll read over the, the, the weeks to come and and, uh, and we'll see, it, it wasn't an overnight promise. It wasn't, hey, this is what's going to happen, just wait a little short time, and then it all f- was fulfilled. It, it, it was actually years and years of them saying, God, you told us to go in this direction. The compass still says this way, we're going. And along the way, they, they fumbled, they made mistakes, they, 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 required, they needed God's grace. But, but along the way, he led them. And what's true for them, that's true for us, is that God wants to direct us. He wants to lead us. He wants to be present in our lives, in our decision-making, how our lives are unplaying. So how does God lead us? How do we know what he wants, what he desires for us? I, I, I think that there's a lot of ways that God communicates, and, and I would never limit how he could communicate. Romans 1 even says that, that creation itself testifies about our God. But I, I think there are three really primary important ways that God communicates to us that that if we're going to attempt to say, you're my Lord and I'm following you, these really need to be present in our lives. The first one is he guides us through his words. Through this. This isn't an ordinary book. It's not history, even though there's history in here. It's not literature. 
even though there's poetry in here. It's a living document. It's a living book that speaks not just to my head, but to my heart, and it reshapes us. It's powerful. You know, since, since January, um, our, our leadership team might be sounding like a broken record talking about leading us back into Scripture and back into Scripture and back into Scripture, and, and that's a good thing because God has a lot to tell us here about who he is, about who we are, about what he sees for us, the promises that he has for us, and what obedience he's calling us to. These are his words, and, and, and this is our guide of how to be most fully human. God created everything. This is his manual, his guide for how to be human the way he designed us and desires us to be. Psalms 119, speaking about the word, the psalmist says this in 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, this, this book, it's, it's a light. It illuminates around me in a world that at times feels very dark and very confusing and, and that, that at times feels like truth isn't even real. Here's light to my feet showing me where to go, revealing things, teaching me things, helping me navigate as I follow after my Lord's leading. Then further in 119, 129, it says, your testimonies or your statutes, the law, are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. I, I hide them in my innermost part. The unfolding of your words gives light and imparts understanding to the simple. This this book, this book navigates us. It teaches us. It challenges us. It calls us to obedience. It tells us what God dreams for us, his promises for us. We, uh, a few weeks ago, presented a, a tool. Um, one of the ways that, that we, uh, we approach scripture is the expectation that I'm approaching this living document, and every time I open it, it's going to speak to me. And so one of the tools that we've been uh, teaching and, and encouraging people to, uh, to participate in is this acronym called SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And, and the practice is that, that I'm going to have my Bible here and a journal and pen here, and as I read today's reading, my, my expectation is God's going to speak to me, and, and maybe it's going to be a verse or maybe just a phrase or maybe just a word, but, but I want to take that and, and I want to write that down. And then I want to write my observations about that Scripture. What is this saying about God's character and his promises and his goodness? What is it saying about obedience? And then I'm going to apply it to my life because I want to pull the truth of this scripture into my everyday life and then simply ask God to help me pray. God, help me live this out. This simple acronym that helps us engage deeper into this word. My a uh, few moments ago said that this Sunday's great, um, but, but Sunday's not enough. I would kind of liken it to saying um, when, when we get to gather here on a Sunday, it's rich, it's awesome, it's fun. I, I, there are kids downstairs being um, discipled and poured into, and it's just an amazing feast that's set before us. And I leave here feeling full. Even if I arrived here tired, I leave here feeling full and, and, and full of hope and faith. But, but if I ate a big feast once a week, that wouldn't be enough to sustain me. It wouldn't be enough to carry me from week to week. There needs to be a, a consuming of God's word 
beyond just what we have on Sundays because this is how he's leading us and directing us through his word. God leads us through his words and he leads us through his spirit. God leads us through his Holy Spirit. Flip with me over to John um, chapter 14. This is uh, Jesus with his disciples in the upstairs room of someone's house and they're having a dinner. Um, They're having a Passover dinner and they are going... um, Jesus is going to be facing the cross, and he is preparing his disciples um, for what to expect. And he's telling them, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the cross, in three days I'll, I'll, I'll be resurrected, and I'm going to go to heaven, but it's for your benefit, and this is why. Uh, 14, starting verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Skip to 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit that this advocate is going to come. This, this, this Holy Spirit who's going to lead us and guide us and direct us. Now, Ephesians 1 tells us that, that the moment that we call salvation, the moment that I I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that, that Jesus is Lord. Ephesians 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit seals us forever. And yet, we're also invited to an ongoing, ever-deepening relationship with the Holy Spirit. Think about it in, in terms of, of uh, getting married. If you're married, if you're not, I, I think we can understand a concept. 16 and a half years ago or so, um, I, I got married uh, to, to this lady right here. And... and at that moment, we said words in front of people like this, we signed paper, and it's done. We're married. And we've never not been married since then, even if we're not in the same room, even if we're not in the same country. Um, we're, we're always married, and yet that, that wasn't the end of it. We didn't say I do, high five, awesome, we're married now. It was actually the beginning of an even deeper relationship. And now when we talk and share lives, I understand her so much more completely and, and the nuance of her communication. And, and, and we've gotten to know each other at such a deep level that, that sometimes we can be in the room and say nothing and I know exactly what she's thinking. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit desires to have a relationship with us. We're always present with the Holy Spirit. That, that never goes away. But it's an invitation to an ever-deepening relationship where he leads us, he guides us. And, and I would venture to say most of us could identify some experience we've had with the Holy Spirit. We, we know the Holy Spirit um, is here to help, to teach, to empower, to guide, convict, to lead us to fruitfulness. And, and, and probably we can identify an experience where we said, yeah, I, I just felt like, like I had a decision to make and God wanted me to step in this direction. Or, or maybe we can identify, yeah, I had this thing in my life and, and I just felt this conviction that this wasn't part of God's journey and plan for me and I, I had to set it aside. And it's the work and role of the Holy Spirit within us. Well, a, a practical way that I experienced this um, a few months ago, um, I, I had just had a really rough couple weeks. Um, it was kind of the back end of, of hitting pause on North we had had a sick kid and trying to figure out, okay, are you going to work? Am I going to take him? I'm going to work. You're going to, you know, what are we going to do with her? And, and trying to figure that out and, and having some things that I was working on as a leader that just, just weren't quite going and just frustrated. Having a difficult week, is it? Does that feel like a common experience? And, and I, I, um, I got this card 
out of nowhere because it wasn't my birthday and it wasn't Valentine's Day. But I, I, I opened it and I began to read it and it was from someone in our community. And they said, hey, I, I was praying for our, our leaders. I was praying for you specifically. And I felt like God just wanted me to send you this card just to remind you that you're not forgotten, that you're loved, that you're his son. And I just sat with that card and, and I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for, for leading someone to, to send this encouragement. The Holy Spirit is active, speaking to us, guiding us, directing us. We're invited to learning that voice more and more, deeper and deeper. It's how God leads us. He leads us through his word, through his spirit, and he leads us through his community, through his church. The people who we, we share life with, the people who we who we develop deep connections and deep relationships with, who, who love Jesus and are on the same journey of following this Lord who speak into our lives. The kind of person would be described in uh, Proverbs 27, 6. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Me and the people that care about you the most care enough about you to tell you the truth, to tell you when something's destructive. When, when your decisions don't make sense in light of scripture and, and in light of, of what God has called you to. Wounds from a friend, those things that hurt, but they're true. But an enemy multiplies kisses. I have three relationships, um, three people who virtually know everything about me. My hopes, my ambitions, my insecurities, my strengths, my weaknesses. They know all the skeletons in the closet. They know everything. I would never make a significant decision without talking to probably all three of them. In the hard seasons of my life, these people hear my voice. I reach out. I need these people. They've helped encourage and, and, and redirect and help me re-identify this is where God's leading. They're my wife, best friend, and a mentor. Who's shaping you? Who are the people who have an ear to your heart, that, that, that have words that shape your direction and who you are? God leads us through community. Discipleship was, was not meant to be a, single, uh, a, single, a singular person event. It was meant to happen in the context of community. We, we need one another. We are predisposed to need relationships. It's in our wiring. It, it's, it's part of how God leads us and how he is shaping us. God is engaging with us. He wants us to call him Lord and to follow him. He's leading us through his word, through his spirit, and through his community. And as we follow him, there's also grace. Imagine for some of us in this room, We've had these navigational tools, this, this compass of God's word and, and relationship with his spirit and his community, and, and, and we've been at this for decades, and man, we're, we're good navigators. Man, I, I get so much out of scripture, and, and, and I've got a, a deep relationship with God's spirit, and he speaks to me, and, and you would say, I'm ready to go to uncharted waters. I, I, I know this navigation system, and, and there might be some of us here who, we're just figuring this out. There might be some of us who this, this reading plan is maybe even the first time that we're consistently reading through scripture and, and I want to say God, God has grace for us in this. It's not as though I pick up this Bible and I have God's spirit and I make every right decision going forward. That's, that's not how it works. 
God's been gracious with me. And to, oh, oh, nope, get back on your path here and, and come back over here. And, and certainly with, with Abraham and Sarah, that was their story. As we'll read in the weeks to come, they, they were given this promise, but then Abraham resorts to deceit several times, and then they, they try to circ- circumnavigate the, 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 the promise by doing something that made sense to them, and, and you'll read, and, and, and yet God keeps gently correcting them. No, 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 I, I have a plan for you. Will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you allow me to be your Lord? Will you allow me to guide you? This is the invitation that God has for us. He has promised a better life than we could provide for ourselves. He has promised a more fully human experience than we could provide for ourselves if we're willing to be obedient and trust him. I want to invite our, our team to come back up. Um, we're going we're gonna to continue in, in worship, and almost every Sunday when we, when we gather here, um, part of our worship is coming to the table um, and taking communion and remembering um, Jesus, the the, the one that this entire book is pointing to and about as our, our Savior and the one who uh, went to the cross for us. And, and we're going we're gonna to do that in our worship here. And I also want to encourage you um, to dialogue with God, with his spirit. Where is he leading you? Are you able to identify that? Has it, has it been some time since there's been a, a, a clarity of direction? What does he have for you? Or maybe for some of us, it's, it's how is God calling me to, to be obedient? Man, if he is my Lord and, and he's calling me in a direction, how am I, I going to be obedient and follow you? What do I need to set down to follow you in this direction? Uh, Father, as we, uh, as we set our eyes on you and, and, and begin to worship, um, yeah, I, I pray that these words, this story of Abraham and Sarah, who were just ordinary people that that you had an extraordinary destiny for. Um, they just had to be willing to follow you and to be obedient. And uh, I pray that we would um, have that dialogue with you of how you're leading us, what you have for us. God, that we would be courageous enough to respond with obedience. And Father, we thank you. In your name, amen.